my best thing. Ah, there it is. Yeah, I agree there. Are you saying? <laughs> go ahead. Go ahead. Just slap. There you go. Okay. I had a senior moment, yeah. I said, man, I love that song, man. Because we did it this morning. Okay. When we just did this morning. Can't even say I slept on it. That's right.
stand all over the house this evening. Let's get ready to worship the Lord. We're going to sing an old church favorite here. We're going to sing, When the Roll is Called Up Yonder, I'll Be There. Jesus, our Lord, 
Amen. Will you take the next few moments and greet those around you in the Lord at this time? God bless. Again, let's jump right back into worship. We're going to sing some old praise choruses. Most of these you will know. Some of them may be a little uh, unfamiliar, but you'll know some of these. But let's just sing together. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart and enter his courts with praise.
song we're going to sing for you tonight. Before we sing that, it's, the song says, Forever God is Faithful. But I want to read this right out of Psalms for you. It says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for He is good, for His love endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the God of gods, for His love endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of lords, for His love endures forever. And to Him that has made great lights, for His love endures forever. The sun to rule by day, for His love endures forever. And the moon and stars to rule by night, for His love endures forever. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm, for His love endures forever. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord of heaven, for His love endures forever. And this next song simply is called that. It's called Forever. And we're singing the, the words right out of Psalm, the, a book of Psalms there. And we want to worship together.
prophet Daniel, the Bible describes the Lord as when he comes again, he's going to be the Ancient of Days. And this old song, written back in 1992, literally is taken from that concept in the book of Daniel. So let's sing it together.
your name. God, we truly know you are all we need. You are truly a friend that sticks closer than a brother and as close as the very mention of your name. Father, as we get ready here in a moment to break the bread of life, I ask God that you would let us stay in your presence. Let the mindset of who we are and what the moment that we're in, Lord, let us just stay your presence to stay with us just because we break the bread of life doesn't mean we don't want to still experience your presence thank you for the presence of god we felt this morning and father we thank you that you're the same god this morning as you'll be tonight we commit this in the loving arms of our savior jesus christ our lord the people of god together said amen and you may be seated in the presence of the lord if you can we want to give you a moment if you turn your bibles to the book of exodus chapter number 20, Exodus chapter number 20 and verse 7. We're going to ask you to turn there. While you're turning there, I want to make mention to you, uh, I received a phone call right before church started tonight um, that sister, uh, from Sister Brenda Frierson and uh, her and Brother Stan uh, were going to try to make it to church tonight, but uh, after church today, Brother Stan started getting real dizzy again with his vertigo. He has some equilibrium and vertigo type style of things that go on with him. And anyway, long story short, he got real dizzy today and is not real sure on his feet right now. He's kind of, his equilibrium is pretty off. So he is not doing well. And this Brenda, I don't know if it's because of the weather. I don't know if it's just a change of what. But she said her ears are absolutely giving her the devil of the time today. They're stopped up still, but they're just, I don't know if it's just a change of, of things that are happening, but just something is happening in her ears. Then she says it just is it's pressure, and she just can't get relief. And, uh, and so they uh, both asked uh, if we would to, uh, to pray for them today. I told them that I would make sure that we offered prayer for them at some point in the service. So here in a moment when we read the scripture and we get ready to go to prayer, uh, I'm going to ask you, as we pray over the word of the Lord, that you would mention Brother Stan and Sister uh, Brenda Friars, and they were very, um, 
sorry they couldn't be here, but they wanted the church to pray for them. They just felt like that they really could use prayer. And I said we would absolutely be honored to pray for them. And, uh, and so that's what we're going to do. Exodus chapter 20, verse number 7. When you have it, I'm going to ask you to stand for the reading of God's word. It's just one verse of scripture. I'm not going to read a long, it's not going to be a long uh, scripture today. It's going to just be one passage of scripture there in our reading this evening. It's actually taken right out of the Ten Commandments. You already probably recognize it just by it being on the screen. It is the third in the commandments of God. God gives his commandments to the people of Israel and he gives them some instructions. And in his instructions, he gives them these books of the books of law and he gives them these ten commandments or virtues. And uh, he tells them to follow these. They're the number three on this list what we find on the screen. It says, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Notice that. He says, You won't take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Let's let's pray over the word today and remember, brother and sister Friars. And Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you right now in the solemnness and secrecy of this moment. We ask, Lord, that you would speak to our hearts. Lord, we ask that you would minister in our midst this evening. Father, I pray that you would allow us, God, to let the bread of life become so relevant and so real and, and just let it illuminate off the pages of Scripture. Father, I pray that you would not only let us be hearers of the word, but doers therefore likewise. Father, Lord, you know the needs that are in this house. Lord, we specifically want to lift up brother and sister Frierson, brother Stan is having some issues with his uh, equilibrium due to some dizziness and vertigo type uh, illness and Lord sister Brenda said her ears are just absolutely wreaking havoc on her right now and are just insurmountable to deal with with just the nature of the pressure in her head right now so God I'm asking you to touch her as well God you can go right where they are right now and you can minister to them and you can just and you can just heal them and you can touch them Lord I, I don't know Lord how you want to go about doing it, but I know your hand is not too short, neither is your ear too heavy, that it can't hear our cry and it can't reach down and save and to touch. So I'm asking you to bless them tonight. And Lord, as we get ready, God, to unfurl the pages of Scripture in our midst, I pray, God, that it would illuminate off the pages to us, that we would be able to, Lord, take this word and leave this place and truly be able to say it was good to have been in the house of the Lord. And for that, we give you the praise and the glory and the honor that is due your name in Christ Jesus our Lord. And the people of God together said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I was thinking today as I was in my office. And I came back immediately after lunch. I was rehashing uh, or reprocessing re if you will the, the service this morning. And thinking about the multiple services we have had over the last few weeks. And over the last month really. I was thinking about the different people, and I looked uh, over in my head. I had a little scratch piece of paper of those that weren't here today, and some of them I knew where they were. Some, you know, Brother Tana, uh, Brother Brandon, Sister Tanner were traveling for their anniversary. Uh, Sister Nina I already knew was sick. Sister Joanne couldn't be here because of Miss Nina being sick. And I knew some others, you know, just people that I had already checked on, talked to, kind of knew what was going on, Sister Jeannie with her grandbaby, etc., so on and so forth, and, and, and kind of knew all of those situations and I started thinking about some of the 
the folks that have talked to me in, in over the last few weeks and months, they have things going on in their family. They've asked us to pray for. They've asked me to pray for. They've got things going on in their family and, and, and all sorts of other things. And I started thinking about all that and, and, and contemplating that. And I was thinking about that as I began to think about, Lord, what, what do you want me to talk about tonight? What do you want your word to be tonight? You know, you know, I, I was thinking in my head, in my office, I said, Lord, you know, it's going to be the, 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 you know, cream of the crop, if you will, the very elected Super Bowl Sunday. So anybody that was on the fringes probably aren't coming to church because they're on that 50-50. Do I watch the Chiefs and the Eagles play or do I go to church? So if they were 50-50, they may not be here. And so, Lord, it's going to be the people that really want to come to church, really want to hear your word. So most of them probably are going to be saved, so we don't need a salvation message because most of them probably know you because if they weren't saved, they'd probably be at Super Bowl Sunday. So, you know, it was one of those things. I was thinking that honest confession is good for the soul, and I was contemplating it. And I started thinking about all of the services, and there was this word that kind of kept coming to my mind, and I kept thinking about, and it was simply the word name, N-A. M-E, name. You know, we say it a lot in scriptures. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess at the name of Jesus. You know, we sing songs. There's freedom in the name, healing in the name, salvation in the name, life in the name. There is no other name but Jesus. We, we talk about his name. We sing it in all our hymns. There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its words. It sounds like music. It's the sweetest name I know. A name. You know, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run in. They are saved. The name. You know, it's that word, that name. I started thinking all the songs. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be your name in the land that is plentiful. I mean, just the word kept coming. It was like song after song. I kept thinking, wow, how many songs have the word name in it, you know? And, and, and it just, you know, I kept kind of Brother James kind of just kept that word kept coming to me. And I thought, we sing about there is no other name. We quote scriptures about every knee will bow and every tongue will confess at the name. We quote scriptures that every demon in hell has to flee at the name of Jesus. So what is it so about the name? And so I started thinking about that and I, I kind of come up, if you will, within my thoughts and my processes and my prayer. I, I thought about what does it mean to revere his sacred name? Because his name is not like my name. See, my name, you could go outside right now and you could say, in the name of Jonathan, I, I, I pray that cancer ceases. And probably nothing's going to happen because I don't have that kind of power. You, you, can, you can go to the doctor's office when they give you a bad report and say, I rebuke that in the name of the preacher. And the doctor's going to say, what's wrong with you? There's more issues. Let's get a scan of your brain because there's more going on than we thought. You know, you can lay your hands on the old washing machine because you can't afford a new one to pray over it and say, Lord, in the name of my wife, in the name of my husband, and that's probably not going to do very much to you. You can preach all the greatest messages and you can have sinners and you can say, in the name of Brother James or in the name of Brother Mike, I want to give you hope today. Well, that's great. They're good men, but that's not going to do you much good. In fact, when the devil comes roaring and knocking at your door and, and, and coming in like a roaring lion making you think he's this big bad wolf you can say all you want to to him well in the name of brother Marion or in the name of sister Sandy and the devil's going to go what? it won't do anything but when you use the name Jesus everything changes in the moment when you look at the 
PET scan and it shows your body wrecked with cancer. But you say, but the Bible says, I shall live and not die to declare the works of the Lord. And so I believe that in the name of Jesus. Now all of a sudden we've called on a different name. When the, when the washing machine, and I, my parents, I remember them telling me a story when they couldn't afford things early on and the washing machine went out and they didn't know what to do and couldn't really afford it. They went in there and they anointed the washing machine with oil. I mean, it sounds counterintuitive, but they, they anointed They had a prayer line for an old Maytag. And they went in there and they laid hand on Sister Hag and they prayed that demon out of her. They made whirlpool seas. They made Samsung seas. And they said, in the name of Jesus, you shall live and not die. And I'm telling you, even to this day, we have it in the basement at their home. But that washing machine, you hook it up, will run in the name of Jesus. It runs. It don't even, it, before we prayed on it, it shaked and wobbled and was out of balance. God not only healed the washing machine, He put it back in balance too. He did a real good work on that thing. You know, I've seen people lay hands. I had a lady at the church that I was serving at one time, and she was an elderly lady, and she, did, she was on a fixed income, and she had this old, uh, I can't remember if it was a Buick or a, a GMC, what car, but it was an old car, older car. And that car wouldn't crank. It wouldn't crank. She was at her house. Her kids were already gone to church. It was on a Sunday morning. She was one of those. She had a Ph.D., a Pentecostal hairdo, not a doctorate degree, but a beehive, you know, for those of you that ever lived in that era. And, and she believed it. it. It was nothing. She would drop at the shout of a hat, and she dropped the hat so she could shout. Kind of lady. I mean, she didn't need you to pump her up, prime her up. She'd say, I'll shout for God myself, drop the hat, and take off. And the rest of you just either get hit, whiplash, hit in the face, see bobby pins flying. She really didn't care. If you were in the spirit, it wasn't going to hurt you. If you weren't in the spirit, maybe you'd get in the spirit pretty soon. And so she didn't really care. And I remember her telling a story. She was going there. Sunday morning to come to our church and she couldn't get out and she she didn't know what to do her kids weren't answering the, this was the cell phone days where like old flip phones so it was hard to get people back in those days she tried to dial her house number to her son's cell phone nobody answered so brother Mary she didn't know what to do what she do she popped the hood of the car brother Mike she went in there with her little old feeble hands she laid it on top of that engine said God I don't have the money for a battery and I don't know how to fix an alternator and I certainly don't have time for transmission to be cutting the fool right now but in the in the name of Jesus, I, say, I declare you to wake up and you crank the next time. She got back in her car. She put the key in the ignition. When she did, that thing said, D -d 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 -d. she said, God, I said, this car shall live. I'm not missing church today because the devil, that old sloop foot, caught in my car last night trying to stop me. She said, I'm going to declare it. She tried to crank it a little bit more. And she said, I'm telling you, devil, this is your final notice. I will, I'm telling you, I rebuke you with foul spirit in the name of Jesus. God, in your name that's above every name, let this car crank. She put that key that third time in the ignition. You know, three is a number of biblical numerology of divine completion. She sucked that thing in there. As soon as she cranked that thing, said, tit, 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 tit. boom, 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 boom. And that thing cranked up. She drove it, Brother James, straight to church. As soon as she walked through the double doors, she was already doing like this down the aisle in the middle of church. Somebody said, well, what happened to her? She said, I'm telling you, God did it again. I couldn't afford to get my car fixed, but God did it again. Not because there was a mechanic, not because there was a son, not because there was a neighbor, but at the name of Jesus, she said, God, you know the need before I even had it, and in your name, you can take care of it, and he did just what she asked him to do. He did it. He did it. Countless stories I have heard over the years. People have talked about that when they had situations happen, but when they spoke the name Jesus, something changed in the moment. Something changed 
in the atmosphere. I've heard people talk about that the, the reports from the doctors said I should be dead. But they testified that that was five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago, some thirty years ago they said I would be dead. But I'm still here so God must still be God. I've heard stories of people going into surgeries where they tell them, you're not coming off the operating table. And they said, well, I'm going to be like the Apostle Paul. To live, is to, to, die, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. If I come off the table, I'll praise the Lord. But if I go down into the grave of Sheol, I know where I'm going, so I'll be good either way. Whether I go, whether I stay, I'm good either way. They went through the surgery, came out. The doctor said everything went perfect, everything went smooth. I've never seen anything that, that smooth in all my life. It wasn't because the doctor was a good doctor. It was because there was a another doctor in the OR that says well you go here and you go there that doctor may not even notice but somebody else was guiding his hands I'm telling you there's still power in the name of Jesus there's still hope in the name of Jesus I'm telling you you don't have to remember my name my name could get spray painted off that sign for all I care you could is nobody in this town may know who the pastor of Santee Circle Church of God is but I want them to know when they walk through the double doors they don't have to know that it's Pastor Vaughn they don't have to know it's Sister Vaughn they don't have to know Brother Randy or Brother Larry or Brother Mike, they need to know this is a house where Jesus walks in the room. And when he walks in the room, there's no other name that matters but that of Jesus Christ. That's the only name that matters. That name is the only thing that matters. I remember stories of people, grandparents and others have told where doctors would be light years away. That was back in the day where you didn't have doctor office they would come to you and sometimes you couldn't wait for them to get there so what did they do they called on the doctor that's always on call they'd say God you know my little baby my you know it's sick but they my grandmother and my great-grandmother and grandfathers I've heard stories passed down from my childhood in history of my family where they, they didn't have anybody else they did they called for the regular doctor but it was going to be a while before he got there but they didn't know how much time they had but when they called on Jesus, by the time the real doctor got there, another doctor had already come in, prescribed the right medicine, and took care of it. The other doctor was just making a house call because it really didn't matter because a different doctor got there a lot sooner because of the name of Jesus. You see, there we know that many people have lost their reverence for his sacred name. See, his name is just not any name. It's not a name you just use flippantly. He's not some Santa Claus in the sky. He's not some sugar daddy to give you... He's not a genie in a bottle to give you your every heart's wish. He's not somebody you just call on because you need a new... You don't... You know, his name is so much more sacred. It's not for you to just say, in the name of Jesus, I pray for a Lamborghini. No, no, it's not to get you... It's not about you getting Christmas presents from heaven. Hello? His name is sacred. Now while he might bless you with a nice car, yes, he might bless you with a nice house. He might bless you with beautiful families. He might bless you with great jobs, maybe even promotions in those jobs. And for every day, great is thy faithfulness, morning by morning, new mercies. I see we praise God for every blessing he gives and bestows upon us. Great is the Lord, greatly to be praised. How he gives us, he bestows upon us countless benefits and blessings. And we thank God for that. But his name is not designed for me to get some wish list and, and Santa Claus type S uh, 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 granted, wishes granted that I wanted. The reality of it is that his name is so much bigger than that. His name is bigger than the car. His name is bigger than a house. His name is bigger 
than the land. It's bigger than the children. It's bigger because when his name is mentioned, whether or not you have a Lamborghini or not, hell shuts up. Demons tremble and flee. Satan gets put on notice. At the name of Jesus, every cancerous cell in a body has to know that that name got called on. Every stormy sea has to subside. Every wave has to calm down. Every wind has to settle. There's something about the name of Jesus. See, there's an old song that says, If anybody knows about the love of Jesus, I do. But, but that song talks in some of the verses about that the name of Jesus. If anybody's experienced the transformation of Jesus, I do. See, there's something special about that name. You see, some people, they approach God and His name with reverence and, and sincerity. And the Bible says that God made it quite clear that no one should make oaths or covenants and break them. The Lord doesn't like the misuse or the profane use of His sacred name. God doesn't overlook that. He doesn't take that lightly. He doesn't think you should just take it in vain. Look at what He said. He said, He said, you won't take it in vain. And the Lord will not hold him guiltless. He said, God's not going to overlook it. He's not going to let it go if you don't. There's a lot of commandments that you're going to... But this one's serious. He will not hold him guiltless who takes it in vain. You see, the word... We get Shaviv. It's a Hebrew word. It literally means falsified, empty, useless, flippantly, simply disrespectful. That's what the word Shaviv literally means. And that word Shav that you see, actually, when you read, if you were to read this scripture in the Greek, I mean in the Hebrew. You were to break it down. In fact, you can go, if you ever want to know how to do this, you don't have to be a scholar in Hebrew. Here's what you do. You go to blueletterbible.org. Blue Letter Bible. When you go to Blue Letter Bible, it will have a search engine up top, and it will say search, and you just type whatever scripture. So you could type in Exodus 20 and 7. It will pull it up. This is free. You don't have to pay for this service. There will be a tab right beside each scripture that will say tools. You click tools, it'll have this drop box that'll drop down, and it will break down every section of words. And it'll have corresponding Hebrew word, it'll tell you that, and then they'll have like this number that will say like H7733. That word H7, or that, that letter H and the 7733, if you click that link, you'll see it kind of has a header that says the Hebraic word. You click that link, it'll take you into the Strong's Concordance of the Bible. And what it will do, the Strong's Concordance will give you the primitive word, the pronunciation, the meaning, everything about it. If you go home and you look it up, when you get to the word in vain, you'll find that that word was shav, S-H-A-V, but spelled like a shaw, shav. And when you read it, it's going to say like this, you shall, take, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in falsehood. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God empty. You shall not use the name of the Lord your God in a useless manner. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God flippantly just at the drop of a hat. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in blatant disrespect. That's the meaning of it. It takes on a whole new light when you just read it that way versus in vain. Because what it says 
God says, my name is so much more than just a slip of a Freudian slip of the tongue. It shouldn't just roll off your mouth. It's a sacred name. It's sacred. In fact, in Exodus chapter 5, we find that Pharaoh scoffed at the authority of God's name. And he treated it and held it just as any other name that had no power. When Moses came to him and said, God, uh, Jehovah, God, I am, Yahweh has come. Pharaoh laughed at him said, who is this God you're referring to? I'm Pharaoh. Who is this God you're referring to? He scoffed at the name of God. Well, Pharaoh eventually found out real quick like who this God was he just scoffed at. Because immediately after following that, Moses has the serpents. Well, Egyptians could do that. Moses turns the rivers into blood. Well, the Egyptians said they could do that. Moses called frogs. The Egyptians said they could do that. Moses takes, if you will, uh, ashes from a, from a kiln from where they had made pottery, and he threw it up in the air, and he let the wind take it off, and boils became, I mean, just painful sores and boils over the Egyptian people. God sent flies. God sent locusts. Everyone attacking a different, he, uh, a different Egyptian god. They're all correlated to the Egyptian gods. And God was showing he's bigger than all the gods of Egypt. And God made darkness. That's attacking the sun god, Ra. Proving that even Ra, the sun god, can't stop God Jehovah from stopping day and night. He's killed cattle. The god of agriculture and provision. He killed cattle. But when it got to the final plague, the final plague in Egyptian culture, the highest one, yes, you had Ra, the sun god, yes, but the highest one was Pharaoh. When the Pharaoh died, they would mummify him, they would put him in a tomb, and he would be basically in the crypts of the kings. He would be put there because he was a god among men. And so the very final plague was not against Ra, the sun god, not all these made-up gods. It was a direct, uh, if you will, connection or direct implication to the man sitting on the throne of Egypt, Pharaoh. Because Pharaoh, just a few chapters earlier, said, Ha! Who is this God you're referring to? I'm Pharaoh. Who is this God you want me to listen to? In essence, what Pharaoh was saying is, I am God, and there is no other God like it unto me. Can I just tell you, there is one God, and there is none like it unto him, but it ain't you, and it ain't me, and it certainly ain't Pharaoh's of life. And I just want to remind some folks in here and those watching online, it also ain't the President of the United States either, no matter who's in the office. Hello, preacher. That's good preaching even if we don't like it. And Pharaoh said, who are you going to do about that? I'm Pharaoh. Pharaoh. The Bible said that God said, I'm going to do the final straw. And he took the life of the firstborn children. That included Pharaoh's heir to the throne. His firstborn son. When it hit Pharaoh's house that his son died. All these other times he said, yeah, you can go, but changed his mind. When it hit Pharaoh's house, and Pharaoh found out his son had died. Moses didn't go to Pharaoh. Go read it. All the other times Moses went to Pharaoh and then Pharaoh would get mad. He'd say, all right, Moses, stop the plague, stop the plague, stop the plague. But when his baby boy died, he summoned for them to go wake Moses up and bring Moses in. And when Moses got there with his speech impediment and using Aaron as his mouthpiece, this time Pharaoh didn't wait for Moses to offer the solution. Pharaoh said, get your people, 
get these Hebrews, get their livestock. I don't care what you have to do, but tonight, not tomorrow, tonight, get everything y'all want and get out of my country. You know why? Because Pharaoh at this point had realized, even though he didn't like it, he realized that he wasn't God after all. There was one bigger than him. Can I tell you, sometimes in our life, even if God has to humble us, he's going to let it be known that he is God and he doesn't play second fiddle. He doesn't sit second chair. He will be God whether you want him to be or not. You may be. He might bypass you and write Ichabod over the door and go on, but you will never be able to usurp him. Ask the devil how well that works. You won't overtake him. You won't usurp him. You won't overthrow him. He will always be God, and that will never change. Pharaoh said, get out of here. Just leave. When we talk about the word revered, that word revere means to regard with profound awe, respect, love, and devotion. It is a respect. The word sacred means worthy, holy, set apart, dedicated. So when we talk about a sacred name, revering a sacred name, we are saying God's name we regard with awe and respect and love because it's a name that is worthy and holy and majestic. There's none like that name. But I quickly want to just tell you how some things have happened over the course of the time of humanity. I'm not talking about just in the last few years. I'm talking about the course of history and humanity. Some people have taken his name and used it in a shameless fashion. You say, what do you mean, preacher? You see, many folks, they'll use God's name with very little reverence nowadays. In the Jewish culture, the name Yahweh, or God of all gods, or Lord of all lords, the God of I Am, Yahweh, was such a sacred covenant name, they wouldn't even spell the name. They abbreviated the name. And the abbreviation, if we correlated it to our English lettering system, it would be the letter Y-H-W-H for Yahweh. They wouldn't even write it out, Brother Mike, when they, would, when they would transcribe Scripture, when they got to the part of Yahweh, they wouldn't even write Yahweh. They'd abbreviate it and just make an, uh, uh, annotations and because annotations in there and, and, and because they didn't want to defame in their humanity the sacredness of His divinity. They didn't want the humanity, them, even though they were writing with pen and paper, and even though they, they had these pens and they would, they would transcribe Scripture, even though they would write it, but when they would get to the name Yahweh, the God of all gods, the God of all, they'd stop the quill of the pen in their hand. And they'd say, even in my humanity, I am not worthy to even put to paper the nature of His divinity. So they abbreviate it not to defame the name of God. That was their heart's cry. It was so sacred. In fact, it was never even mentioned or uttered in verbal communication except once a year. One time a year, you'd hear it. The rest of the year, it was, a, it was definitely silent. You never heard that terminology Yahweh used. It was, you might talk about Adonai, or you might hear them talk about God or the Lord of all of but they would not use Yahweh except one time a year. On the Day of Atonement, the priests would gather all the sacrifices of the people. They would kill the animals, take the blood. And this one time a year, he would, he would change his garments. He would change into clean clothes, clean undergarments, everything tie, bell, tie bells around his legs. He'd walk through the courtyard of the outer court. He'd pass the brazen altar. He'd, he'd pass the 
liver the, and, the, if you will, the basin of water to wash his hands. He'd wash them as he's getting ready to walk into the tabernacle that was, that was covered with porpoise skins and different, different fine fabrics and purple and, and, and blue uh, linens and, and just wrapped in, in this, uh, if you will, man-made structure but could be portable because God's presence was always designed to be portable. God didn't want to just sit. God would always be a God on the move. Hello, preacher. That's why some churches, when they put God in a box, they're doing him a disservice. God didn't want to sit. He wants to be a God on the move. He wants his people to be people on the move. He doesn't want us to sit in church and get complacent. He wants us to go in the highways and byways and compel them to come. What does that mean? He wants us to move. God's a God on the move. Anytime, you know, that's why sometimes when churches get stagnant, it probably means God's not moving because everything's plateaued. It, when God's constantly moving in service, it doesn't get boring. And so this priest would walk in and he'd come into the first courts there he would get all the proper things that he needed he'd go into the inner court he would find the table of showbread where he had baked bread that morning fresh bread not day old but fresh bread he passed this golden lampstand with seven candles lit to represent not only that God was the God of bread of life but he was also the light of the world he would pass that. But in his hand would be a bowl full of blood. And only on this day of the year, one day, Day of Atonement, Passover, Savat, he would walk in during this moment, Pesach, he would lay there, he would open, he'd pull back the curtain of a place, Brother James, he had not been in since a year before. And he'd walk in and he'd shut the, if you will, the proverbial door behind him. He went into a sacred place. See, that's why I still believe there's something special about prayer closets and prayer rooms. Sometimes you need to get away from the world, away from Facebook, away from the distraction. You just need to get in places that only person that knows where you're at is you and God and nobody else can get in there but you and God. He walks into this tabernacle, this structure, in the celebration of Pesach and he would take this basin and he would walk towards this gold-plated box. And on this box there would be these golden rods that extended out to grommets for carrying purposes. And there would be these two angelic creatures, cherubims, that had wings. They made like this. And they covered themselves so their face was looking down because it represented that God was so holy even they could not look at his face. And these two wings of the two wings of this cherubim and two would come together and almost touch and create almost a, if you will, seat. Looks like a, almost like a seat between the wings. We called it the mercy seat of God. That priest would walk in there, he'd lay that blood pour it on that mercy seat and in that prayer he would pray to Yahweh the only time he would mention it he basically would say if we were to transcribe it in the English language even though you know we don't know exactly the words used but but the the, the meaning or the, the idea behind it, he would have basically said God I know because the word I, Yahweh is I am that's what he told Moses he said Moses I am Yahweh the God of I am I am so basically what the priest would go in there and say, God, I know you are a forgiver. I know you are 
a deliverer. I know you are a sustainer. And he would present that to God. And the Bible says that if God accepted it, all of a sudden the place, the aroma of God, the smoke, if you will, or the, the presence of God would come and consume the sacrifice there. And the presence of the Lord would, if you will, permeate that room. Well, there's something we talked about a couple weeks ago. There's something to be said when the presence of God can just be felt as you open the door. It just the permeating presence of God just enters and fills the room. Like a mist or like an aura. Sometimes you don't always see it, but boy, isn't it wonderful when you just walk into it. And also, you may not always see it with your physical eyes, but in your spiritual eyes, you can see it. You can just sense the moving of the Spirit, the permeating presence of God in a room. In fact, I just read, well, actually, earlier this week, on Wednesday afternoon, at Asbury College in Kentucky, a group of students started leading a chapel service, their regular chapel services there in Kentucky, in Asbury, Kentucky. They started singing. People started coming from that, from that uh, uh, college up to the altar and pray. They didn't know what to do, so some of the faculty said, well, you know, just keep going, and we'll, you know, we'll, those of you that are on the worship team, you do your thing, whatever, we'll figure out class, whatever, and they, whatever, and they made it work, and they said, if God's moving, there's been countless times over the course of history, God's poured out His Spirit on college campuses, Lee universities, had it happen, all kinds of places has had it happen. They started that on Wednesday at 10 a.m., and they've not left chapel yet. They're still in it right now. There are people that are traveling from all over the world now coming. It has packed a 2,000-seat auditorium on Asbury College's campus, and they have standing room. And when one person comes out, they'll let somebody else go, and they just, they just can't keep seats available for people. They're coming from all over the place. People have traveled from Pennsylvania. They've traveled from New York. They've traveled from Florida, Texas. People that have put it all over social media to wanted to see this thing. And Brother James, every one of them says, when you walk, as soon as you open the door, the description every one of you says, you can feel the presence as soon as you step across the threshold before you even make it in the main auditorium. When you cross the threshold of the front door, you feel something different changed in the room. Boy, wouldn't that be wonderful if that was here? Amen. Next Sunday morning, somebody grabs the the the, the, the uh, metal door frame. They grab the handle of that door out there, and they grab it, and they're smiling, they're happy, and they're glad to be here. But as soon as they cross the threshold of that front door, and their foot hits the tile, the welcome center, they say something just changed in the room. And they step back out for a moment and realize... No, it's not just a draft from outside. There's something. But when they step back in and they put their foot back on the tile, they feel it again. And before they can ever make the turn, the left-hand turn, and begin to slowly make their way into the double doors, these wood double oak double doors at the back, they already start weeping under the presence of God. They already start feeling the glory of God. Before they ever hear Sister Sherry or the worship team lead a song, they, they already sense the moving of the Holy Spirit before a message is ever given. They, wouldn't it be wonderful they couldn't even get in the door because everybody was here because the presence of God showed up. Not because we offered free iPads, not because we're offering free, coat, free coats or free clothes, and not that those things are bad, but wouldn't it be wonderful if they only were here and the place was packed, nothing more but just the presence of God brought them inside the building. Wouldn't it be
be wonderful if somebody walked in next Sunday morning. They drove by and went after church there at Guess. We said, well, what made you stop by? And says, I just drove by. And something said, make a left-hand turn. Or I was driving by going towards St. Stephen. And something said, turn right, right now. And I don't know why. I just pulled in the parking lot. Wouldn't it be wonderful if they walked into the building and said, I don't even know why I'm here. Other than God said, show up because he'd be here. Man, what a service that would be. But you see, some people have taken this word, this if you will, name, senseless and shameless. Jesus is the high priest according to Hebrews. You see, some people will rush into God's presence with a flippant attitude, rush out. They just want to get service over with. They have lost their sense of reverency and respect and honor to God. You see, Moses was told, take your shoes off for you're on holy ground. You see, Matthew 12 36 and 37, every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account therefore on the day of judgment. For by the words you speak, you will be judged, and by the words you shall be condemned. God's taking a record of everything we say. Our words are powerful. They can speak life or death in these situations. The Bible tells us life and death can lie in within the tower of your tongue. You can affect life and death. Not only in some people used it in a shameless sense. You know, these people use it. They desecrate the name of the Lord. They use it in profane language. They, they, they use it, you know, with other profanity. And they put the word God in front of it. And they literally are shamelessly using that name. But some people just use his name senselessly. They just don't care. They just have no sense. It's not that they're bad people. They just don't think very well. Maybe they don't use it in profanity. But they've got this habit of just saying, Oh, my God, to everything. They're not cursing. They're not using GD or any other profanity. But when something doesn't go, they're like, oh, my God, here we go again. Oh, my God, what's wrong with you? Oh, my God, here we go, they're whining again. Oh, my God, here she comes again. Oh, my God, i got to listen to her again. They just use it as if it's just average name. Not, oh, my goodness, not, geez, Louise, not what, but, oh, my God, as if they're really praying. No, they're not praying. They're frustrated. They're agitated. They're angry. They're annoyed. They're not using God's name shamelessly in terms of profanity or or some kind of heinous act, but they're just using it senselessly. They're just throwing it out there with no regard. But the Bible says, the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes it in vain. What is in vain? Not just using it any flippant old way. So when I say, Something goes bad, and I say, oh, my God. And that moment, the Holy Spirit should click in my spirit and say, what did you just say, boy? Now, I may have to ask God to forgive me in that moment. I may say, God, I didn't mean that because I'm human, and I have, you know, frailty of thoughts, and I don't always think, and God, I am human, and I make mistakes. But, but something, as soon as those leave my mouth, oh, my God, it should immediately, something in my spirit should say, but that's not a name you just take around lightly, son. You don't use it lightly. You see... Most folks will concur that a habit can sometimes be good or bad. It takes about 28 days to create a habit. But sometimes it takes a lifeline to break a lifetime to break the habits if they're bad enough that we've created. You see, actions have consequences, whether in this life or the life to come, we will be held accountable. I just read that to you. There was a man in the army in the late 1800s and the early 1900s during the war. And retells of hearing of many men cursing and swearing frequently in his brigade. These men had made 
these kinds of words such a part of their vocabulary that they use them almost in a second-hand nature. However, when some godly women would pass along the ranks looking for her wounded son or daughter, not an oath or a profane word would ever be heard. He said, I was almost as if they recognized something else walked into the bearing. The reason is because they didn't want to swear before their mothers and someone else's mothers. They didn't want to swear before somebody else's wife. They didn't want to swear and use that kind of language to other women or their sisters. They had more respect for their mama than they did for the God that mama served. Can I tell you there are some people that have more respect. They wouldn't say a cross word to their mother, but they don't mind being crossed with God's name or using it senseless. I've got people I know in my own family. They'd use profanity quicker out in the world saying any name. They wanted just, just dropping them like they're nothing. But if their mama walked in the room, they wouldn't say it because they respect their mama. Why is it that we can't respect God the way we respect our mama? Because I'm telling you, there's nothing more sacred than the name of God. And then finally, there's that sacredness that I've been trying to convey to you. The word reverend. In Psalms 111 verse 9, it says, Holy and reverend is His name. That word reverend means to revere. The Bible tells us in Philippians that God gave Him a name that was highly exalted. A name above every name. That in that name every knee would bow and tongues would confess. Revelation talks about the name and the, on the thigh of, of Jesus would be King of kings and Lord of lords, a name that no one else could lay claim to. See, we know we are victorious by the words of testimonies, our language, our speech. D.L. Moody, Ms. Carol, as you make your way. D.L. Moody retold of a story one time of an encounter he had at a tent meeting. He was preaching in an open-air tent when a man drove out, drove up, in a fine turnout, and listened for a little while to the preaching. After listening for a while, the man put a whip to his fine-looking steed, and he rode away. D.L. Moody recalls thinking that he would never see that man again nor meet that man. However, the next night, the gentleman came back and started coming regularly to this outdoor meeting. Moody recalls that the man had what he thought a forehead that itched frequently, because every time that he would look out there under the tent and see him out in the field, he would see the man doing this the entire time, as if he was sweating or had an itch. However, Moody kept watching and noticed shortly thereafter that it wasn't, in fact, sweat nor an itch, but the man kept wiping tears out of his face. After the meeting, Moody inquired to some of the locals about the man and wanted to meet him. Moody was, was greeted resoundingly with a no and told, we don't think you should talk to him. He is a bad man. And they discouraged him. They'd say to him, Preacher Moody, you don't hear the way he talks to his wife. He treats her like a dog. He's horrible to his family. He doesn't deserve your time. Reverend Moody realized that the man truly must be interested because he kept coming back. And conviction must be setting in. So Moody finally found the address of this man and he showed up at the house. After a formal introduction, I am Reverend D.L. Moody. The gentleman asked Moody what was he there for. Moody discovered that this man was the wealth, one of the wealthiest 
man in hundreds of surrounding miles. Filthy rich. Moody said to him, I am told that God has blessed you above all men in this part of the country. He has given you wealth, a beautiful Christian wife, and seven precious children. However, I don't know if this is true, but I hear that all God keeps getting in return is cursing and blaspheming His name, even though that's what He gave you in return. The gentleman immediately under the compulsion of D.L. Moody's statement wept bitterly, quickly fell to his knees, and by the pants leg of D.L. Moody with tears staining his shoes, asked him, please show me this man called Jesus. And confessed his sins there on the floor and received Christ as Lord and Savior and said, I never want to blaspheme the name again for it truly is a name above every other name. You see, if no man or woman has anything to say against you or your Christianity, your Christianity may not be worth very much because they not, have nothing to talk about. Sometimes the best way you know that you're living right is when things seem to go wrong because the devil wants you to not get it right. But if you never have any problems, obviously the devil's not afraid of you, so that's when you should start checking where you and God stand. The religious elite of the day actually told Jesus, the Son of God, the Lord of all, that he was full of demons and worked for Beelzebub, the devil. But at the name of Jesus, demons flee. Sickness is healed. Winds and waves cease from roaring. Storm clouds have to go. Heaven must worship. Earth must tremble and resound the choruses of praises of his greatness. The reverence of the sacred name of Christ should be all Christians, should be to all Christians a priority in our lives. There is no greater name than the name of Jesus. So I leave you today with this thought. I'm not saying you'll never slip up again and say, oh my God, or you never will have a moment of it rolling off your tongue. When we leave this place, I want us to remember that there is nobody, there is no name like Jesus. You can call on any other name you want to, but there's no other name that has the power to do the exceedingly, the abundantly, the above, that which I can think or comprehend except Jesus. Jesus. So when you leave this place and you go to and fro your destinations to your home and to your place of abode, I want you this week as you're spending time with your family and your friends or you're working or you're going places, maybe you're going to school if you're still in those school age years, I want you to realize that there's a lot of famous people in the world that have recognizable names. There is no other name quite like Jesus. And no matter what you face this week, you can call on the preacher, you can call on the parent, you can call on the spouse, you can call. But I'm telling you, no matter what you face this week, you can call on Jesus. Because in His name, all things are possible. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, to the best of my ability, I have preached the unadulterated word of Christ. God, I have tried to convey that there is no name like the name of Jesus. Father, as we get ready to disembark from this place and head to our humble places of abode, 
let the word of Christ resonate in our heart. Let the words that we have spoken tonight, God, let whether it's in song or in the message, let it sustain us until our next appointed time of gathering together. Father, let us never forget there is no other name like the name of Jesus. Father, I pray that you would bless us and keep us. You'd make your face shine upon us. Be gracious to us. Lift up your countenance towards us. Give us the peace of God that surpasses all human understanding and guard our hearts to you return again. May the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing in your sight. O Lord, our strength and redeemer. Christ Jesus, our Lord, we pray and ask these things. The body of Christ together said amen. I'm going to ask you to stand all over the house. I'm going to ask Brother Randy, if he would, close in our benedictory prayer. And immediately following the benediction and prayer, you can consider yourselves dismissed. God bless you tonight.